Guys Without Helmets, a podcast all about pro and fantasy football. My name is Dave. I'm your host. And as always, I'm joined by my guys, Josh and Caleb. Last week, we started part one of Boom or Bust, where we talked about this year's draft class, the offensive side, that is. This year, we're to, or this year, this week, we're going to talk about Boomer Bust Defense Edition. So this is our part two edition. We want to give you an insight into the players that were drafted by position and just give you some insight as to whether or not we think they are potential boom or bust. So without further ado, let's talk about our cornerbacks drafted this year. Seemed like a two-man race, as you know. It seemed like Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn were the perennial top two. But there were a bunch, a bunch of cornerbacks drafted. So guys, without further ado, Josh, let's start it off. Who is a cornerback boom? Yeah, the biggest boom for me is J.C. Horn, as we've said before. He's the best athlete at the cornerback position over the last three decades as, in terms of testing. Mm-hmm. Very high speed, big vertical jump, everything that equates into that. Uh, he's a great coverage corner. He eats up space quickly like Jalen Ramsey and Dion. While he's not, you can't put a rookie on that level. He tries to play as much like them as he can. And he has the Jalen Ramsey stamp of approval, as Jalen Ramsey also says he plays like him. So... Yeah, we Very, said he seemed to play with a chip on his shoulder. Very aggressive type of player. Would you agree? Yeah, he's a great player that gives you lots of room, but he's aggressive at getting back to the ball and getting back to get the ball out of your hands as well. So he's just good across the board, as I've said, and that there's not much to say bad against him other than he wasn't uber productive at a high school and beginning of college. Yeah, I would agree. I think that J.C. Horn uh, has a great potential to be a boom. All right, Caleb, your boom at a cornerback position. Um, I would have to agree with J.C. Horn. He's clearly the best corner in the draft, and he went to a great spot in Carolina because they really needed him, and they drafted him highly at eight, and, I mean, it's perfect fit for them. It's perfect for him. They had a void there, and he's going to fill it. All right, so let's look at the other side of that. I agree. I think you guys have some great picks. Let's talk about potential busts at the cornerback position. My bust, he's a top five corner in most everybody's draft boards before the draft mm-hmm. from Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley. He got drafted to Tennessee in 22nd overall in the first round. He is a solid corner, and they do need help at the cornerback position, but he has had a ton of injuries, and that's the biggest concern for me. He's coming off a, a minor back surgery, but still he's had some ankle problems, knee problems. The list is pretty big for him. Yeah, you got to think when it's a back, it seems like the back is an awfully, awfully big deal for a guy who's going to be dropping the boom on some of these guys. So, Yeah, I mean, I, he's had a ton of injuries. That's the only reason I say he could bust because if that continues to linger around with him, it's going to be hard for him to get back. Josh, what do you think? Who's your bust at cornerback, potential bust? Yeah, for me, it's Eric Stokes. He got drafted at the end of the first round of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, for me, I just don't like him getting drafted that high, personally. He's a solid corner. He had a, one of the highest coverage or coverage percentages in all of college football last year, mm-hmm. and he's a fantastic athlete, and he really boosted his stock running a very high four or a 4.3 speed at his type combine. But um, he's, he has great speed, and he's not, he's not consistent, in my opinion. Right. And he, you don't draft just for the speed, but um, he kind of gets out, outmatched physically. And uh, he wasn't the number one corner on the team either. So Tyson Campbell, who got drafted at the top of the first of the Jaguars. Right, just behind him. Yeah, he was the number two corner. So in my opinion, it feels like a Henry Ruggs type thing, like where Henry Ruggs got drafted at the top of the first, even though he was, you could argue, the wide receiver four in Alabama during that season. Right. But he got drafted because of that skill set that no one else in the first round had. Yeah, and something that stood out we talked about during the draft, uh, Horn, Sertain, uh, Sante Samuel Jr., a lot of pro pedigree parents coming mm-hmm. ahead of this class. Do you guys think that is a benefit, deterrent? I mean, what do you think about that? Ben- I- benefit to what? To these young players. Like Patrick Sertain, his dad played in the NFL for years and years, was a successful NFL player. What do you think is the upside and downside of being a Patrick Sertain 
coming into the league and having your dad's shadow to play under. I mean, it couldn't hurt because as you're going through little league and going through high school, your dad's kind of coaching you and he's alongside you and you get to grow up experiencing the NFL, watching your dad, yeah, watching your dad travel, yeah. be away from home, watching his routine, what he ate, what he practiced with and all that. Sure. Definitely helps out. But going back to Eric Stokes, I think I disagree with Josh here. I think it does help them out a lot. I think we see the Packers getting someone that they actually needed rather than the best talent available at 49 in the first round because they do have Jair Alexander. He's their number one corner, and Stokes is a faster corner. He might not be as good in coverage, but he's a faster corner, and he's going to help him out playing against people like Justin Jefferson in their division. Right. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So, Josh, Eric Stokes is a bust potentially. And Caleb, you have him as a boom. And yeah, let me let me touch on what I think about the uh, the pedigree of having a professional parent. I think I think it's good and bad. I think certainly Caleb, you hit it on the head. Having parents play in the league before you and know what it takes and the type of conditioning, and they can expose you to that. And they have friends that are pros, and they know people. And certainly those things are beneficial. Uh, I, I said this uh, earlier in a conversation that I think the challenge with for me with like a Patrick Sertain, you know, the second is he comes in already playing at a high level. He's coached up. He's had the best coaches, the best athleticism. I mean, he's done the the most work. He knew exactly how to get here. My question for a person like that is, what's your upside? You're already playing at your ceiling because you accelerate to this point. Maybe, maybe not. Whereas you take some of these guys that don't have that pedigree and they're playing this good now, you get them in in a, a situation where they're coached up and they seem to have a higher ceiling. Yeah, I think it helps the player out coming from a NFL background for their parents mm-hmm. when um from a technical span- standpoint because they get to learn so much earlier but that doesn't necessarily mean you're like your skill set isn't gonna insanely improve from that you're gonna be able to learn earlier sure which i think is great for people like van jefferson who looks he technically looks like a very very good receiver right and while he didn't get used like one he he can he looks like a very very solid receiver because of his dad who's also an nfl receiver coach and played in the nfl yeah, and I think about you know Ed McCaffrey and now CMC, and, and they're two totally different animals. Like obviously CMC learned some things from his dad, but in my opinion, and this is not a knock on Ed. I mean, he was a great you know wide receiver for a short period of time. He's certainly to be a starter in the NFL. You know, you're the man. So I'm not knocking that, but I don't think he is what his son is or the potential his son has. So I think that's a case where he said, "Hey, Dad, I'm going to take what you taught me, and I'm going to become a bigger beast." Yeah, but to add on that, they also have other sons who aren't Christian McCaffrey or in the NFL to put that through. So, yeah, no, I I totally agree. And, you know, we talk about it too. I mean, my skill sets are not necessarily the ones that have fallen into my son's hands either. So it's part talent. It's part, you know, but maybe the head start is good for these guys. I don't know, just worth a good discussion. So we'll throw it out to, to you, the listeners, and we'll have a discussion on our Instagram page about what do you think about players who come in with apparent pedigree? Does it help or hurt? We'd be anxious to see the results of that poll. All right, moving along. Boomer bust for safeties safeties let's go to caleb caleb what do you think is your can't miss or a guy you think is going to boom at safety my boom safety is trayvon mayrig from tcu he kind of fell in this draft a lot of people daniel jeremiah know and a few other big draft guys they had him him going going early yeah first safety off the board he went in the second round 11th in that round to the las vegas raiders i mean when you watch him play last year he in my opinion with the eyeball test he was the best safety in the draft. Gruden was pretty anxious to rack up safeties. I mean, he got the 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 third, fifth, and sixth safety he pulled out of this draft. So so your boom is Trayvon. All right, Josh, do you have a boom for me? Yeah, my boom is Andre Sisco. He was a three-star prospect coming out of high school, and he immediately stepped in two-star as a freshman 
which doesn't usually happen at any position. Right. But uh, freshman and sophomore year, he played 22 games and had 14 turnovers. He's a big hitting safety, or safety, and he's very productive, obviously. And um, great fit for Jacksonville. Yeah, they they don't really have a big hitting standout safety out mm-hmm. there. They have a lot of athletic players, a lot of speed guys. Yep. But they, this is a guy they've needed for quite a long time. He's not a Jamal Adams, but he's he certainly makes his presence known like one of those big time players. And um, the reason that he went to the Jaguars in the third round and not in the first round like he's projected to if he finished the 2021 or 2020 season mm-hmm. is because he had a torn ACL last year. Gotcha. So his draft stock plummeted because of that. But when you watch him, he's he's undeniably good. He cuts off wide receivers mid route to get the ball. His 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 interception ability and his hitting ability is known and unbelievable when you watch him play. Okay, for safety then, who do you have, Caleb, as a potential bust? I have Richie Grant from UCF. He got drafted to Atlanta in the second round, the eighth pick of that round. I mean, he's he's kind of small. He's six foot, 194. Um, my concern is that he played in on UCF, and their their talent that they play against isn't that, that hard, I guess. It's mm-hmm. not the SEC or anything like that. Um, and Atlanta... They they draft them to be versatile, and that's what they need on their defense. But their defense was bottom third of the league last year, and it right. has been for a few years. Right. And I just don't see him really helping them out much. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. Uh, Atlanta has a new system, losing Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris, and um, Richie Grant, in my opinion, becoming the second safety off the board is just simply got overdrafted. Okay. His stock boosted up because of Senior Bowl or because of the Senior Bowl. Right which uh, a lot of prospects were drafted because of the senior bowl because we didn't have the combine. So I just think he was simply overdrafted. He ran a 4.62, not a super great athlete, and uh, sometimes he's limited, just simply put. I just think overdrafted, he was, if he was put down like his like his teammate at UCF was, um, Aaron Robinson, Right. I think that would have been a better pick, but I think he just got overdrafted. Moving right along. So for the sake of Boomer Bust, what we want to do in this segment is we want to just have our inside and outside linebacker. We're just going to call him linebacker, okay? So I know that they're technically very different positions and they have very different purposes. We we get that, listeners. But for the sake of Boomer Bust, we're going to list some inside or outside linebackers, however they fall. All right, so we have a boom at linebacker. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I have JOK, Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa. I think he's the number one linebacker in the draft class, even though he slipped to the second round. Okay. Uh, yeah, he plays linebacker, but he can also play nickel corner. He rushes the passer well off the edge. He can go. He can read gap assignments very well. He's a very instinctive player, mm-hmm. and even when he has a gap assignment, he can completely shift and change up his or what he's supposed to do on the fly. So very instinctive player. Uh, very fast. They say he's undersized, but I don't agree, especially with the type of game speed that he does have. Right. And his his, his cons are kind of like ticky tack. Yeah, they're they're definitely digging for something to to say as a con for this guy. And um, yeah, m- most of the cons were he c- he could have problems tackling. He could do this because they think he's undersized, which I just don't think is right. Correct. He kind of tackles to me like Jalen Smith, the way he he would zoom in and kind of in the windmill kind of effect. I will say that you know, again, we don't have inside information or anything like that, but I know personally, you know, that he is probably taller than than they have him listed. And like you said, I don't think undersized is an issue because if you watched him from you know Bethel High School to to here, he already put on a ton of muscle, got better, stronger, faster. 
Uh, he's a gym rat. So, I mean, and he's young. So he's going to put on some weight. He's going to get stronger. And I think the speed is not a factor. So I think if he can play with the speed and the weight, that's just better. Yeah, and certainly if you have a if you have a, any concern about his size or his speed or anything, go watch his, his combine. Yeah. He didn't run the 40 or anything, but he is clearly in shape, physical, yeah, he's everything you want in a linebacker. And to add on to tackling, Notre Dame – Everyone from Notre Dame on the defensive side generally is a great tackler. Yeah. Look at the Aquara brothers. Yeah. One got drafted last year. One just signed a big contract. They're both in the Lions. And uh, as you said, Jalen Smith, they all tackle very, very well. Yeah, so. yeah they, they all have that wide kind of reach, and they bring you in, and they throw their body around you. And you're right. I think it's a technique that they all master while they're there. But, yep, I agree. Woo should be a boom. All right, Caleb, what do you got for linebacker boom? I have Jamin Davis from Kentucky. He mm-hmm. got drafted to the Washington football team. First round, 19th pick overall. Um, this guy's a real stud. He was on his pro day. He ran a unofficial four three seven, which ranks fourth among linebackers this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big guy, pushing two forty, and he's real fast. He's really just he's just a monster. And I think him going to Washington Football Team with Ron Rivera is perfect for them because they did lose Ryan Kerrigan this year, and he's gonna be playing on the inside with that stout front seven that's already there. I mean, it's gonna be a perfect fit. Yeah, and we've said this before, uh, folks. Listen and and watch what happens with this Washington defense because they are just getting younger and faster and stronger, and they already have a great core. And what do we call him? Riverboat Ron. Riverboat Ron. Riverboat Ron will will he's the gambler, baby. When it comes to his defense, you know, watch this young team and watch how he exploits their their talents this year. Yeah, and as we said in the draft needs episode for Washington, very happy to see them get a name back there for their linebackers. They've been bringing in veterans who are around the age 30 to play, as well as not the greatest linebackers back there. So I think this is a great fit, as well as a great need for them. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I'll go on record and say I was not overly impressed with the Cowboys picking Micah Parsons at first. Certainly the first couple of days after the draft, I started, eh, okay, he's, he's athletic. He, you know, he fits the bill for being a top-rated linebacker. But in the days past, in the weeks past the draft, I'm pretty good with it. Like I think Mike Micah Parsons certainly has a chance to be our one of our starting linebackers going forward. So I would classify that as a boom. Yeah, and just to add on Micah Parsons, while we don't think he deserved being the number one overall linebacker, right. that doesn't mean we totally hate him. We don't we don't necessarily to we don't necessarily hate any of these prospects. Yeah. It's just when we have to label them a bust, it's mostly because of where we don't agree where they got drafted. Right. And being a passionate Cowboys fan, you know, you want who you want, you know. I mean, obviously, selfishly, I wanted Wu to go there, and whether he was number one or not, uh, I, I wanted Wu to be a Dallas Cowboy. There it is. I said it, and he didn't. And all right, I'm bitter. But Micah Parsons is going to be great. He's going to be fine. Like I, I, do, I don't need to cry over spilled milk. He's going to do a good job for us, I think. Yeah, I would have loved to see Jeremiah go to the Steelers, as they they're the clear cut team that runs a linebacker guarding the slot receiver. Yes. So. They're, they're far and away the highest percentage of that, and I think that would have been a great pick for them. Yeah, one more thing to add to Jamin Davis. He had actually had a, over 100 total tackles last year, which is really good considering it was a short season. I just want to throw that in there before I forgot. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, well, let's talk about the bust linebackers. Who are some guys that we think potentially could be a bust or a disappointing player based on their draft pick? Yeah, for me, it's Nick Bolton. You might have seen him getting projected to go in the first round. And uh, towards the when the draft actually happened, he actually started getting more moved down more and more because he did not test well. And uh, while he's a strong, hard-hitting linebacker and he looks good, 
when he plays, he he's not the fastest dude. He lacks burst, and his he had like one of the lowest agility scores I think for a linebacker in the entire draft. Not to add in the top five, he's not like an all-star athlete. But again, another person that was drafted as the fourth inside linebacker, and you think not a bad player, maybe could have gone a lot later. Yeah, I just don't think he's gonna be able to be a, an elite player with the type of athlete that he is. My bust is Chaz Surratt from UNC. He got drafted in Minnesota in the third round. Uh, I do not like him at all. He played a four-year career at UNC. He started in 2017. He was actually the running back. He had over 90 attempts, and then he transferred over to in 2018 to be the quarterback. He was subpar at that position. Wow. In 2019, he moved to the linebacker, which he had a, over 100 total tackles, which is fine. And then the next year, he kind of digressed a little bit. I just don't like him. I think he's more of a gadget player. I He's kind of undersized. He's 220, 6'2", 220. It's just real easy to bust when he's just a gadget player, in my opinion. Yeah, my concern, you said athletic guy. That's what everyone thought. And I thought if he he entered the draft last year, he certainly would have been drafted higher. But uh, he just just like other guys in this class, like Nick Bolton, he didn't test very well. But he did test well the second time that he tested. So Mm -hmm. I don't totally know. But he doesn't have much experience as a linebacker. Yeah, and this year's completely weird because we had short seasons, no combine. Right. People are doing multiple pro days, so they had more shots at it. Less they're, things to judge. They're more about. comfortable in their yeah. own home field. I mean, it's just a weird year, so we don't really know. So I and that 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 lends to the argument that there could be more potential busts than we realize, or even guys that we think are, are booms that just that year can can throw them out of their groove for sure. Yeah, between Exos and pro day and what they did in high school, it's all over the place, but. We don't really know what these guys are made of when it comes to testing. All right. Well, let's move on to edge rushers. I think this was a pretty good class. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, looking down the list and seeing these guys as they went, I started thinking, wow, he, you know, he, he looks good. He looks good. And I think the order is pretty consistent. But you guys tell me, who do you think is an edge rusher or defensive end, however you want to qualify that, an edge rusher who's a boom? Yeah. I want to briefly go over Jalen Phillips. We we said that we believe he's the top edge rusher in this class. Right. And uh, happy to see that he did go as the first edge rusher in the class from Miami University to Miami Dolphins. What so a short drive. He was one of the highest rated prospects, five-star prospect, when he went to UCLA. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a bunch of injuries, basically. And he had injuries outside of football. I believe it was a bike accident. I don't know. I'm not 100% certain. But he had mo- most of his injuries outside of football as well as concussions at UCLA. And uh, they actually have a... I I don't know how to explain it exactly, but it's like a retirement type thing where if you get enough injuries, you actually get put out of the school. Gotcha. For 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 sports at least, to like protect you. I don't really know the whole scenario, but right. that was his issue. So he had to transfer somewhere. What like I said, top, one of the top prospects coming out of high school. So he was highly decorated when he had to go back to another school, but he chose Miami, and he uh, looked just as good as he was coming out of high school. Excellent. All right. What do you think, Caleb? You got a boom for me? Yeah, mine is kind of unpopular opinion. Ronnie Perkins. He's coming from Oklahoma. He got drafted late in the third round. Tenth edge rusher selected in the draft. Yep. He got drafted in New England by Bill Belichick. I think he's great as a steal. He's going to boom, I believe, in that system because Bill Belichick's defenses are always heavy hitting. He only played five games last year, short season, and he had five and a half sacks in those games. He's just a force, and I think he's a real steal in the draft, and Bill Belichick knows how to use him. Yeah, and I'm actually going to say another boom. It's Peyton Turner who went to the New Orleans Saints. He wasn't projected to be a first-round pick, but he definitely right. rose because of the Senior Bowl, just like other players. The senior Bowl was very 
much used in this draft more than others. Right. But he's a, a six foot five, two hundred seventy pound edge rusher. Uh, he fits the mold just like Cam Jordan, just like Davenport, just like the guys they already have on the Saints. So I think it's they have a type that they want at their defensive yeah. end, and that's they got exactly that guy. He's a scary tackler, scary guy. You don't want him coming after you when you're the quarterback, <laughs> right. running back, whatever. Uh, he has a ton of raw talent, and uh, when you watch him play, he just looks oddly similar to the players they already have. So you're saying a perfect fit, the perfect storm. So Jalen Turner. And, I, I, you know, I have to chime in here. I think I've said it before. I think Quiddy Pay is a special person. He's a special human being. I think his work ethic combined with his athleticism compli- combined with the placement where he went. I think uh, Pay is going to have an easier time adjusting to the NFL because he's on a great team with a great system that he will literally slide in. He should be productive right out of the gate. So, I mean, I'm sure since we're naming some of the top picks here, we've got the top three, you know, they should all be booms, I guess. But, all right, so edge rushers. Anybody in that top five or ten that you think is a bust? I have another very unpopular opinion. I have Gregory Rousseau. Oh, boo. Coming out of Miami to Buffalo in the first round. I think, I mean, he's a great prospect, but in my opinion, he has a better chance of busting, especially getting drafted in the first round. Right. He did opt out last year to be with his mom, and he's, I mean, he's a perfect on paper athlete. Sure. We just don't know how he's going to translate over. He didn't play a lot in college. He didn't play enough, in my opinion, so right. it's easy to, easier to bust. Yeah, he just, I don't think he showed enough. He was very productive, he had a lot of sacks, he had big numbers. But when it comes to the traits that you want for an NFL player, right. I think there were some missing for him, and that's why you saw him go pick 30, I believe. Which, uh, I mean, people had him as the number one edge rusher early in, in the uh, draft season. Right, yeah. But he ended up slipping because of those certain things. So if he gets it all together, he could be a very solid player. But he's a very boomer bust type player. Yeah, when you see players slip like that, it's I think it's something that the scouts and the coaches, once they started meeting with these guys and talking to them, saw not them as character-wise, but just sure. something – in their game that they saw while they're working out that you don't see on, you see their highlights on the field and you see like what they can do but when you look at like their techniques and stuff off the field in practice that can kind of make people drop in drafts yeah because traditionally we've seen a lot of people come into the draft and their stock fall because it is a character issue but honestly i can say this has been a very clean draft in terms of character issue i mean and we don't we don't again we want to talk about stats and fantasy numbers and blah 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 we don't dive into the character a ton but it does factor into a draft you know because you do want to get the right people on your team for sure all right so let's move into that d line uh caleb let's go with your boom at defensive line i have bobby brown the third texas a&m he's a defensive tackle he got drafted by the rams in the fourth round i, I like him a lot he's big he's real aggressive he's he's just a bully and i think him playing next to aaron donald is really going to open it up for him especially playing some suspect offensive lines in their division with the notorious Seattle Seahawks line, which they've been working on. But I think him and Aaron Donald together is going to be scary. All right, so we have Bobby Brown. He was drafted, I believe, what, seventh defensive lineman taken? Yep. All right, so that is your boom. All right, Josh, you got a boom for me? Yep, my boom is someone I really like. It's uh, Milton Williams. He's um, from L.A. Tech, and he, he tested as one of the best defensive tackles in a long time. You can put him up there with Aaron Donald and Rashawn Gary in terms of testing. Right. Rashawn Gary, one of the highly coveted players out of high school. Top five player out of high school, I believe, ever. So he tested just like them, and he plays very well. He goes he goes to an Eagles system, which stops the run consistently. One of the best uh, run defenses in the entire league. And uh, he's going to fit right in there, right next to Javon Hargrave and all the other old guys. Yeah, all the old guys, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, he's, he's very good at stopping the run. He's, he doesn't get to the quarterback as much as you probably like, but he stops the run, fills gaps immediately. He's just he's good across the board, and he's an insane athlete, so I, it's a very good bet. All right, so this closes us out then with our final bust of our episode. So for defensive line, defensive tackle, guys, give me somebody that could be a potential bust. I have Alan McNeil from North Carolina State. He got drafted to Detroit in the third round. I believe he was just overdrafted. I mean, he's he's a big guy, he's 6'2", 320, and he's he's what you want on your, on your line. I just think he played at North Carolina, not a lot of talent. I mean, they played Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Liberty, um, Virginia Tech, Wake. I'm not that's not a knock on Virginia Tech, but so you're saying NC State's schedule was a little soft. It was a little soft, and he only had one sack and 25 total tackles, playing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve games this year. Okay, that this you want to see more out of that, I think. He doesn't get to the quarterback much. I think he was a, kind of a reach pick, being the third lineman off the board. Okay. I just don't like him. All right. Yeah, that ACC schedule is uh, something you'd like to see more production out of right. coming as the third defensive tackle off the board. Yeah. So you agree? Yeah, I think he got overdrafted. But I like most of the defensive tackles in this class, even though it's a pretty shallow defensive tackle class. Right. Or defensive lineman in general class. But, um, yeah, I agree with Caleb. Yeah, I think this year is very hard to guess because – a lot of it is guessing. I mean, yeah. We didn't see a lot. We saw short schedules, people opt out, people not play up to what they could play, just weird quarantine stuff, and it was just a weird year, no combine. So, like I said before, it's going to be real hard to guess these booms or busts, but we're doing our best. Definitely going to be a, an interesting year in the NFL. We have the additional game uh, in the regular season. The playoff schedule last year was a little different, so some changes there. I do love that the NFL is adapting and willing to make the changes. Also, um, looking at that schedule, and this is something we could talk about in another episode. Perhaps we can talk about these team schedules and whatnot. But I got to say, I mean, there's definitely some teams looking it over now that we've had a chance to digest it that are um, benefiting from and are not benefiting from the, the new schedule and the added game. Also, I love how the NFL does a great job, in my opinion, of getting games like week one. You've got, you know, the NFL's most popular team, not the best team, Dallas Cowboys, playing the Super Bowl champions. I mean, that's must-see TV. So if you take a look at that schedule, and uh, again, we can dive into that maybe another episode, but the NFL's doing a great job as always, keeping it um, fun to watch, making games, you know, switching them around even in the in the middle of the season. So this is going to be an interesting year indeed. So we've talked a ton about our rookie class, and we're going to move on from that. Uh, but we wanted to get these out of the way and let you guys know of some people you guys can look at as you're watching the games this year that we think could be potential booms or busts. As always, we love it when you guys tune in. Uh, tell your friends. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. And additionally, don't forget to follow Guys Without Helmets on Instagram. There'll be a discussion question, as we said. We're going to ask you guys again, how do you feel about players who have parents who have played in the league first and whether or not that benefits or hurts or helps at all. Uh, we'd love to hear back from you. So that'll be on the Instagram this week as well. As always, guys, we appreciate you guys tuning in to Guys Without Helmets. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.